Hello. Good to see everyone. If you're a guest, my name is Dave. Good to see everyone. Glad you're here, guys. Hey, I want to pray for us. I want to pray also. Um, I've been given some information this morning about Andrew Brunson. Uh, many of you may know who he is. He is the pastor who is in Turkey right now who is imprisoned. And uh, he's, he's got some ties to our church here. And we need to pray for him right now. And I want to do just that right now, okay? Father, we love you. And we come before you now um, in humility, Father. And we want to lift up Andrew Brunson to you right now, Father, as he is still in prison. Father, for sharing his faith, and we just pray for him right now, Lord. We pray for, Lord, that you would uh, supernaturally release uh, this man from this prison, Father. And we pray for him. We pray for his family. Father, we pray for even the the prisoners that are are, are, um, in the prison with him, Lord, that they would see the light of Christ in him, Father. And Lord, we also pray for this service. I pray, Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit, fill this place, Father, with your spirit, Lord, that we can hear your words today, Lord. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, it looks like we have a couple more of these little wristbands here available. So if you're at the end of the service, why don't you come grab some here. Well, guys, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, you don't have to turn there. Don't get excited yet. This is what it says. John says, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John is interesting, interested in the Ephesus and their joy being complete. Now, John had walked with Jesus. He had uh, uh, seen him all, do all his miracles. He was very close to Jesus, obviously. But he was also very close to the believers of Ephesus at the time. He loved them. Uh, he hated hearing about what they were going through with all the false teachers within the church. Uh, so he wanted, to, he wanted them to remember what Christ had done in their lives. He wanted them to remember who they were in Christ. He wanted them to remember the words of Jesus that said, so also you have sorrow now, but I, I, will, see, I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. That's John sixteen twenty two. So he knows that there's something going on. He knows they're struggling. He'd already given them several things within uh, this, this letter here. And he's simply saying, look, no one is going to take your joy away from you. No one is going to take it away from you. His joy is in every single believer. But the believers at Ephesus were engaged in a spiritual battle. Some of them could have been questioning or maybe wondering what is going on, what is everything that's happening in their lives. Maybe you're here today and you're wondering what is going on in your life today? Why is all these things happening and your joy may be kind of, you're not as joyful as you wish. Might be asking the question, is this real? Is my faith real? Is Jesus Christ really in my life? Am I really forgiven? Why is all this stuff going on in my life right now? Questions that some of you may be asking that today. I know I've asked that. I've struggled with things like that as well. I mean, can you blame anybody or any of us today? I mean, look at, look at the way the things are going on in our world today. You know, just look at what's happening today. Like, for instance, Tennessee was on the, the big news. Did y'all know about that? You know, because some folks went to a graduation and they fought over seats, I think is what I heard. They fought over some seats. Surely none of you would fight over seats, right? 
Mm, it's possible. Maybe last hour, maybe the first hour, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. But I do, I do know that some of you sit in the same seats every, every Sunday. I do know that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and the Lord just blessed you with that, I'm sure. <laughs> you, back row Baptist, that's right. That's right, yeah. Well, we know that things are crazy. We know the world is crazy. And we know that sometimes it's just hard to be joyful in this crazy world that we live in. I know that. And sometimes it's hard to believe what Jesus said when he says, Hey, hey I have overcome the world. And sometimes I, feel, uh, uh, sometimes I feel more overwhelmed by the world. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed by things as I'm raising children. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed by all the things that are going on. And sometimes it's hard just to overcome things at times. Well, if you're feeling overwhelmed, much like the believers in Ephesus, in 1 John chapter 2, that's where we're going to be this morning, verses 12 to 17, this was written to encourage us, to help us become overcomers in this world that we live in. So if you have your Bible, open it to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 12 to 17, and then we'll dissect that there. Verse 12, he says this, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the Father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you, are, you have overcome the evil one. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. This is the third week of a series called This Way, and uh, if you're a guest, thank you for being here. Uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago or so, we did the one called Walk This Way, and it was all about how we are to walk and imitate Christ in our walk. And then last week for Mother's Day, we talked about love this way and how we are to make it a priority and how it should be consistent and genuine in our lives. And today we're going to be talking about overcoming. We're going to learn how to overcome this way. So how do we do it, church? How do we overcome the world that we live in? How do we become overcomers of this world? Well, how did John encourage the believers? This is what he said. First of all, if you're going to overcome the world, number one, you must overcome with God's truth. You must overcome with God's truth. Because everybody, all the world, everybody's going to be telling us things and all this stuff, you're this, you're that. We're going to be told stuff all the time. We have got to overcome with God's truth. Look what he says in 1 John 2, verses 12 to 14. This is a very encouraging note to the believers here. He says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And I write to you, children, because you know the Father. And I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong, 
and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. He sure was being repetitive, and that was his point. He wants, to, he wants to, to show them and go, look, I want to encourage you with them. I want to tell you twice about this. I want to let you know and encourage you that you can overcome with God's truth. And that's exactly what he's pouring into them. I want you to note that the truth that God is pouring into these believers, I want you to note what he's saying to them. If we're going to overcome this world, we must understand God's truth in our own lives. We must understand it. And the first truth he gives is this, that you are forgiven. You are forgiven as a believer in Jesus Christ. You are forgiven. Now that is a fundamental truth in Christianity that we need to realize. So John encourages the believers here in verse 12. Look what he says. I am writing to you little children because what? Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. So he encourages the believers to walk in this truth. Now here's the thing. We may know it. We may know the truth. But do we walk in this truth? Do we walk in the truth that we know that we are forgiven? Because it's really easy for us, I think, at times to have this guilty conscience if we do something and just go, oh, you know, God's not going to forgive me. Or, or it's something is so bad in your life or you think it is so bad that God will never forgive you. Can I just tell you, as a believer in Christ, he's going to forgive you. That's his deal. He's going to forgive you. I love what Jerry Bridges says in his book, Transforming Grace. He says, one of the best kept secrets among Christians today is this. Jesus paid it all. And I mean all. He's not only, he not only purchased your forgiveness of sins and your ticket to heaven, he purchased every blessing and every answer to prayer you will receive. Every one of them, no exceptions. Because you see, church, this is what separates us from the rest of the world. Yes, you're going to sin at times, absolutely. But God has forgiven us through his son, Jesus Christ. He says that we are forgiven for his name's sake. Meaning, the work of Christ that Christ has done, his death, his burial, resurrection, has led to our forgiveness. Without Christ, without Christ, we are not forgiven. If we do not have Christ in our lives, we're not forgiven. I don't care how much you ask. Until you have come a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not forgiven. I know that's hard to hear, but it's the truth. Look what he says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He says, my, my little children, I am writing these things so, to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. See, John has given us assurance that we will overcome because of God's truth in our lives, that is forgiveness. And because we are forgiven, we will overcome this world that we live in. I love what Franklin Graham says. He says it very, a very simple statement here. He says, all I know is that I'm a sinner, and that God has forgiven me of my sins. So simple, isn't it? Imagine if you just walked along, just in your walk with Christ, and just said, I know that I'm a sinner. I know. But God has forgiven me of my sins. Imagine the confidence we would have. Imagine what our lives would be like if we walk like that. Imagine. I know that I am a sinner. 
and that God has forgiven me of my sins. So we're forgiven. There's a second one, the second truth he gives here. This one's easy. You know Jesus. I know it's simple, right? I know. I know some of you are going, yeah, I know Jesus. I know Jesus. Look what he says in 1 John 2, verses 13 and 14. He says, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. Go down a couple more. I write to you children because you know the father. And then verse 14, I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. He's repeating himself. Notice who John is writing to here. Did y'all catch kind of who he's writing to? He's writing to children, young men, and fathers. This is not uh, a reference or to, to a physical age, but yet to the spiritual age of the church. He is looking at the church as a whole uh, for all the believers, and he's kind of categorizing them into like uh, spiritual infants, into spiritual strong men, and spiritual fathers. So the children, he said, you're, you're like a spiritual infant. You're a babe in Christ. You are a new believer, you, but you know Christ. But he says you, there's the young men. Those are the spiritual strong men of the church. Those are the ones who are understanding doctrinal truth and who study doctrinal truth to understand this better. They've gotten away from the spiritual milk, and now they're kind of into a little bit of the meat and potato of the faith. But then there's the fathers. These are the spiritual fathers. These are the mature believers who have kind of gone through the ranks and gone through the road of life and have gone through this Christian walk for some time and are mature now. So he's speaking to them, and he's he's saying, look, you know who Jesus Christ is. I love what he says in 1 John 2, verses 3 and 4. He says, and by this we what? We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So you can see how John assures the believers that they know Jesus Christ Why? Because they are keeping his commands. They are walking with him. They are imitating Christ. They are loving God, and they are loving people. You ever wonder how you know someone? Like, how do we know when we know someone? Like, really, really know someone. You know what I'm talking about? I can remember when I was a kid, man. I can remember this like it's the day, like yesterday. I can remember my dad coming in from work. And my dad would come in from work from his route, and he would come in, and I can always, I always knew it was my dad. I can not only can I hear the truck, not only can I hear him, but I'll tell you what else I can, this, was, this is going to be weird, okay? Now follow me on this one. I could smell him, his scent. Now I know that sounds weird. Is anybody in here, will you remember being a kid and you can smell your dad or maybe your mom? I know, I know some of you are, yeah, I know. Now, it, it, I know it's kind of weird. I know. I realize that. But, man, is I remember, I can still, even to this day, I can go home, and, man, my dad would come in, and I can smell his scent. It's weird. Now, funny thing is, my kids, every now and then, they'll come up to me and take a whiff of me. I mean, it's weird. I know. It's strange. Okay, I know. My kids will come up to me and just kind of like red will just come up here and just smell my arm. I'm like, son, what is wrong with you? Oh, daddy, I just love your smell. I just love your smell. And that? It's the best. I'm telling you. Parents, it's the best. It's the best. 
I remember uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Julie texts me and says, hey, Mary forgot something. She forgot something, and can you go get it for her? I said, sure, no problem, I'll go get it. So she needed like a pillow and a blanket or something. I don't know what they're doing at school now, taking naps apparently. And, uh, and uh, so I get this stuff, and I, you know, I grab it, and I bring it, and I bring it to her school, and I go see her, and I go, hey, here you go, here's your stuff, here's your, your pillow, and here's your blanket and everything. I know you, I know you need this stuff, you know, for whatever reason. And, um, and uh, th- that very day, she comes home, and she says, Dad, she goes, I could smell you all day on my pillow. Oh, isn't that great? That's great, guys. The first service did way better. They were like, oh, y'all are like, yeah. I mean, it was awesome. Come on, guys. It's awesome. When your kids are going, I love your smell, dad. I love your smell. I'm just so glad that I smell good. That's the good thing. You know, I smell, I, I smell you, dad. Oh, it was just the best. Oh, but isn't that wonderful? Man, when you know Christ, sometimes you can just smell him. I know it sounds weird, but you just know that he's there. You know what he's doing in your life. Oh, that's a great feeling, folks. That's a great feeling. You're forgiven. You know Jesus Christ. But here's the third thing. You have conquered Satan. Listen to that. You have conquered the evil one. Look what he says in 1 John 2, uh, verse 13. He says, I am writing to you, young men, because you have what? Overcome the evil one. And then he says it again in verse 14. He says, I am writing to you, young men, because you, have, you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Church, in order to conquer Satan and overcome, we must fight. It's a spiritual battle that's going on. Christianity, I wish someone would have told me that Christianity was no picnic. I wish someone would have said earlier, hey, by the way, guess what? It's no picnic. The rest of your life, you're going to be fighting. There's going to be a spiritual battle that you're going to be fighting. Because if you're here today and you're a spiritual Christian, this is what you look, have to look forward to. The spiritual battle that's going to rage inside of you and, 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 and in your spirit. If you're a spiritual father, if you're a mature believer, you're the ones coaching, hopefully coaching the young men to do this, to help them through this, to encourage these young people to get through this stuff. And no, notice what it says about the young men here. It says they are strong, and the word of God abides in them. See, that is the secret to winning the battle, church. That is the secret. Their strength is in the word of God in them. Notice what Psalm 119.9 says. It says, Psalm 119, verse 9, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And then verse 11 of Psalm 119, he says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, because they know God's word, they can and they will conquer Satan. If you're here today, let me just tell you, you will overcome Satan. You will. It's because of the work of Jesus Christ in your life, you will conquer him. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Do we know God's word? Do we pass the test? Do we pass the test because we know his word? Spiritual infants, you may be here today, 
Let me just tell you something very nicely. You should not be a spiritual baby forever. That's not the goal for you to be a spiritual infant for the rest of your life. You can have spiritual milk for a little while, but there is going to be a time where you're going to realize you need a little bit more of the meat and potatoes of the faith. Spiritual strong men, let me just encourage you, keep up the good fight. Keep up the good fight that you are fighting right now. Spiritual fathers, share your spiritual wisdom with others. If you are mature in the faith, if you're at that point in your life where, man, you've been through all the stuff and you've been through life, share your spiritual wisdom with others. We need it. I love what Warren Wiersbe says. He says, the remedy for discouragement is the word of God. When you feed your heart and the mind with its truth, you regain your perspective and find renewed strength, he says. So we can overcome this world with God's truth, knowing that we're forgiven, knowing that we know who Jesus Christ is in our life, and knowing that we have conquered Satan. Now here's the hard part. This is where it gets kind of hairy. Okay, because we can all sit there and go, yeah, I know God. Yes, I know I'm forgiven. Yes, I know I've conquered him. I know I've conquered Satan. I know that. I know all these things. I know them. But now we must put the words into practice. We must put them into some type of action. Because you don't think that we're going to get by without some type of temptation getting in our way, do you? There's going to be something that's going to happen in your life, and something is happening probably right now in your life that you're wondering how to get through it. And even though Satan has been conquered, does not mean that he's not going to be active. He's constantly going to be active. He's constantly looking around who he can devour. Because where is his playground? Right here. This is his domain. This is where he works all his magic. This is where he does all of his things. This is why we struggle with things all the time in our spiritual lives. But here's what he says. Look what, here's how we overcome this. Look what he says in 1 John 2, verse 15 to 17. For his first command, this is his very first command in the letter. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Do you want to know how you overcome this world? You understand God's truth in your life, but as also, number two, you overcome by doing God's will. So, he, so John just goes, okay, I'm encouraging you. You know all this stuff. You're overcoming this with God's truth, but here's how you put it into practice now. Here's what you have to do. If you look at verse 17, he says, But whoever does the will of God abides forever. But notice the obstacles in the way. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Why not? Because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He's simply saying this, you can't love both. You can't love both. You see, when John, see, you can see here John is a little serious now. He's, his, his tone is changing. He says, hey, I do not want you to do this. He gives a command of do not love the world. 
That's, that is not of, hey, you can if you want to, if you feel like doing it. He simply says, do not do it. Do not love the world. So essentially, we have a choice to make here, just as the believers over there. They, they, in Ephesus, they have to make a choice. Who do I love? Or who will I love? You can see why now John assures his believers. Why he assures them. He says, look, you're f- forgiven. You know Christ. You've conquered Satan, but here's the problem. The world is going to be in the way. It's going to be an obstacle. And what's wrong with the world? He says that it's passing away, verse 17, that it is dying. It is disappearing. And look what's in the world. This is where it comes to you and I. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. You see, the world doesn't just sit idle watching us Christians praising God and going to church. He doesn't do that. No, the world, there's something inside of us. And yes, we may be saved, but look what resides in us. He says, the desires of the flesh. Flesh. Some verses say, the lust of the flesh. These are those cravings that we have. And flesh, that means that's the bent on fulfilling the natural desires of a man or a woman. And this is how the natural man fulfills his sinful appetite. But then, how many of you ever have cravings? Does anybody ever have a craving every now and then? Of course we do. I mean, yes, we do. Julie gets mad at me sometimes. She doesn't like it when I go to the grocery store. And I'll tell you why, men. Because when I go to the grocery store and I get a craving, hey, I'm like, whatever. If I get a craving, I just, I'm like, yes. I go, I'm like, yeah, I want that. And the one thing I crave a lot, and it all comes from my parents. My parents' fault, no. My dad is the only milkman in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Maybe in America, I don't know. He still, he's, he has his own business where he delivers to homes and he, he delivers to businesses and all this stuff. You know, he's, he's kind of well-known in our city, you know, because everybody knows who he is and everything. And man, my dad, I remember being in junior high and high school. I remember my dad, he would come home and I mean, man, I just loved it as a teenager. Oh, I would raid that milk truck and you know what I would get? It's not the ice cream chocolate milk. Oh, man. I love chocolate milk, guys. I'm not going to lie. I love it. Love chocolate milk. And Julie knows it because every time I'm going to the grocery, I'm like looking around. I'm like, yep, there's chocolate milk. I mean, I grab it, man, every single time. And she's like, David, you do not need the chocolate milk. You're going to get fat. Stop drinking the chocolate milk. I'm like, well, I know, but it's just so good. It's so good. I love it. I'm even now to the point where I'm kind of indoctrinating Rhett, you know. I'm like, Rhett, hey, look, there's the chocolate milk. There's the chocolate milk right there, 12 o'clock, go. Go get it, son. Hey, look, sweetie, we got some chocolate milk. I mean, every, every time I get the chocolate milk, she's like, David, stop drinking the chocolate milk. You've got to stop that. You're 43 years old. You're not a young boy anymore. But it's delicious. It's the best. Love it. We have cravings. But man, when you talk about cravings here, he's not talking about chocolate milk. He's not talking about ice cream. He's not talking about candy. He's talking about those things that are in the flesh. And like he says in Galatians 5 verse 17, look what he says. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against 
the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep us from doing the things that you want to do. Think about that. There's a battle raging on right now in your flesh and your spirit, and they're going after it constantly. And if you're wondering, okay, what, what, are the, what, what, what exactly are the works of the flesh? Look what it says in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Not very encouraging, by the way. Look what he says. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and, thing, and things like these. And he says, I warn you as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. John Piper says it this way, anything in this world that is not of God can rob your heart of the love of God. Anything that you go after that is not of God, it's robbing you from the love of God. That's the lust or the desires of the flesh. But then he says the second thing, desires of the eyes. Proverbs 27, 20 says, Never satisfied are the eyes of a man. Our eyes get us in trouble, I realize that, for most of us. We live in a world where we use our eyes for everything. We see everything. I mean, everything is there. It's in our phones. It's all over the place. I know it's tough. I know it is. But Jesus says in Matthew 5, 29, he says this, If your, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. That is the desires of the eyes. But what's the next one? The pride of life, he says. The pride of life refers to the the braggart who exaggerates what he has in order to impress others. He's impressed with all of his possessions. It speaks of a person who glorifies himself rather than God. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. You see, church, we don't have anything that God can't take away. There's nothing that is so sacred and so important to you that God cannot take away. And John says that all these things, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, he says all these things are passing away. But here's the good part. You know what will last? Doing God's will. Doing God's will will last. You see, the world system or Satan's system here is a system of death because these are things that are contrary to God's kingdom. He says here that those things are passing away, meaning those things are going to disappear at some point. And we have nothing to fear as believers in Christ, as followers. John 6.40, Jesus says this, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. We have already overcome, church. We have already come, have overcome as believers in Christ. 
we have already overcome. God's truth is in us, and God's will is to be followed. That's what God wants in our lives. That's what he wants from you and me. And I want to close with this, with 1 John 4, verse 4 and 5. It says this, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You may be here today and you're wondering, I, don't know, I feel more overwhelmed than an overcomer. I feel so overwhelmed by this world. Can I tell you, maybe because you need a relationship with Jesus Christ? It may be because you're, you're struggling with this. You're in church and you go to church all the time and you, you kind of know God and you know a little bit about Christianity. You know a little bit of what to do. You know the lingo. You know what to wear. You know how to dress. You know what? You don't have all that down. But maybe you're feeling overwhelmed because you don't understand what it means to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, perhaps. Can I invite you today that if you don't know Jesus Christ today, that you would know him today? That your heart would be opened to who he is? Perhaps that's what you need to help with your being overwhelmed. And then, my friend, you will become an overcomer. And you will overcome this world. And you can start overcoming him today. Today. Let's pray, church. Father, we love you. Father, and I pray so, Father, for those that are here today, Lord, that may not know who you are. And I pray, Father, they would come to know you, Father. You would open their hearts, Father, to know who you are. Father, send your spirit, Father, and, and, and encourage their heart and show them who you are, Father. Father, and I pray right now, Lord, for Central, and I pray, Lord, that you would continue to work in us, Lord, that, Father, we would follow your commands, Father. Father, we would walk with you. We would love like you, Father, and that we would overcome, Father, like you. Thank you so much for hearing our prayers. Thank you, Father, for hearing, Father, uh, Father, thank you just for hearing us. And thank you so much, Lord, that we can come to you, Father, with boldness and confidence, Lord. Thank you for your love for us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.